And with that, welcome to You Can't Be Serious, a new podcast dedicated to talking about sports, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, basketball, or uh, or as the Europeans call it, football, because apparently Americans only got to call it soccer. Uh, also, we will also be discussing some white politics, nothing too heavy. Just look at this as like a side salad topic. You know your basic side salad, you know, like uh, like when you go out to a restaurant, you order your basic side salad or a side Caesar salad. You know, you have your lettuce, you know, your croutons, your Caesar salad dressing, you know, just keeping it simple. You know, this day and age, politics is like a really heavy topic. Everyone has their own opinion, you know, and to be fair, you know, that's totally okay. Everyone's entitled to have their own opinion on everything. But politics is like a, it's like a right lightning rod. Like it's hard to discuss nowadays. We'll also be discussing music, general life advice, or again anything interesting, truly. And in terms of an upload schedule, I do anticipate uploading maybe one to two times a week to start off here, and then uh, depending on how things look. Uh, I mean, we may revisit that down the road, and if anything changes, like in regards of an update, or, uh, like an upload schedule, I will, as always, communicate that to you guys. And also, I would love to have guests on to talk about anything really, whether it's sports, music, life. If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. So that being said, where should we begin? And we'll begin by focusing on the just-completed NHL trade, by, trade deadline, which was done this past Monday, the 21st of March. And now a little bit of a backstory here for you guys. So I'm from Chicago, lifelong Chicagoan, and in terms of Chicago sports, I'm a Bears fan, I'm a Blackhawks fan, I'm a Cubs fan, I'm a Bulls fan. You know, if there's anything in Chicago, I'm probably a fan of it. And so my hometown Blackhawks were a dynasty in the 2010s. They won the Stanley Cup three times in six years with cup wins in 2010, 2013, and 2015. In the years since, they've been really shitty, to put it nicely. I mean, they've been kind of shitty. Um... And as a result, uh, there's, a per- there's a cycle in sports where, you know, you're rebuilding and then you either, bec- and then you either retool, depending on the results of that, or you're a contender. And Chicago has decided to rebuild. On Friday, March 18th, Chicago traded Brandon Hagel in two-fourths to Tampa Bay for two conditional first-round picks from Tampa in 2023 and 2024, and forwards Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. Now, this is a big monumental moment in Chicago sports because the Cubs tore down at the, at the trade deadline last year, trading Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, all the way you know, recouping draft picks, or well, not draft picks, prospects, excuse me. Um, but, I mean, the Blackhawks are, you know, in a period of rebuilding now. And, I mean, as evidenced also by uh, the trade of goalie Mark andre Fleury 
on the deadline to the Minnesota Wild, a division rival for a conditional uh, first-round pick. Conditions being that if Minnesota makes it to the Western Conference Final and Fleury has four wins combined between the first two playoff rounds, then the Hawks will get a first-round pick. If the conditions in that trade are not met, then uh, then Chicago gets a second-round pick in this year's draft. Also, and I will fully concede here that uh, I made an earlier earlier recording of this uh, last night, and uh, and at that point the uh, Evgeny Dodonov trade that had been agreed to tentatively between Vegas and Anaheim had not been canceled yet. And the league invalidated the trade last night. And here's what is really interesting with this, the Donoff uh, fallout from the trade that the league invalidated. And that is how fucking stupid is Vegas, you know, with the cap situation. Because so last off season, they acquired the Donoff, who has a uh, has a five million dollar contract, and Vegas and Vegas throughout the franchise history has just viewed the salary cap as something that doesn't exist. It's essentially a unicorn, you know, it doesn't exist. And Vegas, for whatever fucking reason, whether it's their fault or it's Ottawa's for not disclosing the trade. Uh, the no trade clause in his con in the Donoff's contract, but Vegas tried to trade the Donoff to Anaheim when Anaheim was on his no trade clause. I mean, how in the world do you fuck that up? I mean, that's. I mean, if you're a general manager, that should be you know you should know that, like that's your job to know that. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for Vegas. I mean, it's like I w- and nothing against teams, you know, that are aggressive, you know, trying to win out, you know, making the moves that they have to. But Vegas has kind of taken on a reputation here of, you know, kind of being uh, someone that, you know, might be a little quote unquote ruthless to players because, you know, they'll ship them out in two seconds. But at the same time here, you know, let's let's put ourselves into Donoff's shoes. Like, this is like, let's say you're at work and your boss fires you. So you leave. But then you get a call back the next day saying that, you know, your boss couldn't fire you. And that as a result, you get your job back. Would you go back there? I sure as hell wouldn't. Because they don't want you. And now Dodonov is in that position because Vegas doesn't want him. (laughs) And it's entirely possible that, you know, so there is a clause in the NHL CBA where a player traded after the deadline cannot play for the rest of the season and the playoffs, meaning that if Dodonov is traded at any point between now and the rest of the season, he can't play. It's just a hard position to be put in for, uh, you know, for a player. But keeping on the, t- the, keeping on the NHL trade deadline note here for another minute, 
watching the Minnesota game the other night against Vegas. When I say that was Tuesday night or Monday night. Um, and Flurry, Mark Andre Flurry, took warm ups for Minnesota and his old Chicago gear. And by the way, looks really sharp. The Minnesota green with Fleur's uh, beige equipment, like, actually looks really sharp. But seeing Fleury in a Minnesota jersey, and, you know, I guess I can say this as a Chicago fan because I had the same reaction. But now seeing Fleury in a Minnesota jersey is just like, you know, going through Instagram and seeing that picture of your ox thriving without you. And, you know, Chicago's not going to the playoffs. You know, they're going golfing in a couple of weeks while Minnesota actually has something to play for. Like, Flurry is thriving without us. And it just, just hurts to be on the receiving end of that for once. Such a Chicago sports fan. It's painful. See that X thriving without us. You know, the X down in Florida having a blast during spring break. Except now the X is just up couple hours to the north in St. Paul, Minnesota. That being said, other trades I felt like mentioning uh, briefly on the uh, to wrap up our point here on the trade deadline. Uh, Colorado got Arturi Lackanen from Montreal for Justin Barron and a second round pick. Love Justin Barron as a defensive prospect. He was Colorado's first round pick in 2020. Um, he's, up with the, uh, he's up with the Habs right now on the NHL roster. Not sure if he's going to play, but really love the acquisition for Montreal there. Uh, the cash in on Lekkonen, great playoff performer. Arturi Lekkonen is. Um, had a really big stretch run last year, helping Montreal get to the Stanley Cup final. Really love that deal for uh, Colorado there. And then in terms of an overpayment here, in my opinion, uh, Florida acquiring Ben Chirot from Montreal for forward prospect Ty Spilanich, who was a third-round pick. Uh, a 2022 fourth in this year's draft, or tw- fourth rounder in this year's draft, and then a conditional first round pick for next year's draft. Um, so I mean that's essentially Montreal's going to get a first round pick, or uh, Montreal's going to get a first round pick in next year's draft in Florida. And let me tell you, I think this deal is an overpayment for one thing only, one reason only, and that is Sherratt's advanced analytical numbers away from his defensive partner from last year, Shea Weber. Like his numbers this year are terrible. Like the underlying analytical numbers, they're just terrible. And, you know, the question is whether or not that's a result as a result of Sherratt having to play top line minutes for Montreal this year as a defenseman. But it's very interesting to see that trade package for a rental defenseman at Chirot. I feel like that's just kind of an overpayment for Florida. But then again, if they win the Stanley Cup this year, the fuck do I know? Well, I mean, then prove me wrong. All right, switching gears here to a little bit of a uh, little bit of baseball here. So today marks the two week uh, two week mark to opening day on April seventh, and. So after the delayed start, this is going to be the season for the American League West and both the AL and NL Eastern divisions. So for instance, in the NL East, 
The Mets have a projected payroll of about $276 million this season, according to Fangraphs. Um, so there is actually a funny clause in the new CBA for baseball with the, uh, the luxury tax. And I want to say if anything's over $280 million, they, they, uh, they pay a 36% tax on any dollar over that. Don't quote me on that. And so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're going to call that the Steve Cohen tax because Steve Cohen owns the Mets. And Steve Cohen practically just bought the roster this year. I mean, he gave, gave Max Scherzer three years and $130 million, So, I mean, that's essentially buying a chance at a World Series. Um, and then focusing on the American League West here for a minute, it's going to be a really fun divisional race this year with uh, the Angels, the Mariners, the, Ra- the Texas Rangers, and the Houston Astros. Or, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, I meant to say the uh, Houston Asterix, to, uh, you know, in reference to the, uh, the 2017 cheating scandal, banging on trash cans. <laughs> and so the reason why that division is going to be interesting is because with all the, all the money that Texas has spent this offseason and all the moves they made from signing Corey Seager to signing Marcus Samuel to trading for Mitch Garver, you know, that's probably still going to be the fourth best roster in the division. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where Houston finishes up in their first season with, without Carlos Correa. Um, you know, maybe it's possible Correa somehow ends up going back there in a year or two in free agency uh, with, with his uh, taking advantage of his opt-outs and his Minnesota contract. But, I mean, you know, Mike Trout and the Angels are not going to go out without a fight this year. And the Seattle Mariners are going to be really good. You know, especially if they can get a healthy Cal Lewis back, you know, a potential uh, a potential breakout sophomore season for Jerry Kelnick. Man, it's going to be a fun division to watch this year. And closing out our brief baseball, uh, brief baseball preview, is the American League East, otherwise known as the depth division. And let me tell you why. Because the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays are going to beat the absolute shit out of each other this entire season. They're just going to beat the shit out of each other. I mean, that division is going to be a dogfight. Because you go from... You know, Vlad, Jr., uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Boba Shett in Toronto, with Matt Chapman, by the way, this year, and Jose Barrios on the pitching staff. I mean, they're going to be really good. To now in the Brox Bombers, and the key thing here, this and the key thing with the Yankees and the Mets, supplies for both of them, is the new vaccine mandate rule. Well, actually, it's not the new vaccine mandate rule, because it's been rolled back. That's right, guys. Kyrie Irving's back for the Nets, full time. He can actually play at the Barclays Center now. <laughs> and for whatever reason, that same rule was going to apply to both the Nets and the Yankees, even though they're outdoors. So, you know, Yankees fans are smiling a little more today because Aaron Judge, in all likelihood, will actually, well, actually, Aaron Judge will be able to play games at Yankee Stadium now. So, question as to whether or not he's actually been vaccinated. 
And, you know, prior to this change today, officially, Judge wasn't going to be able to play, you know, more than half the season unless if he got the, you know, got the vaccine, which real talk here for a minute, you know, and before all you, and before, you, you know, some of you guys come at me going like, well, who's the fucking idiot? You know, let's just think logically here for a minute. If you're a professional athlete, let's say Kyrie Irving or Aaron Judge, you know, using Judge as an example here, you know, or actually assuming Judge is actually truly unvaccinated. And again, you know, I realize and respect, you know, people's reasons for why they didn't take this. But for Kyrie specifically, you're getting paid millions of dollars, like, you know, Truly life-changing money. More money than most of us will ever see in our lives. And you won't take a shot? Like, I just don't... I, I, I get the... I don't... I may not agree with it all the times. I mean, I see why they don't do it. But it just doesn't make sense to me. As to why you'd risk... Or why you'd want to risk throwing away you know, potentially half your season, half of your salary to just not play. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, same old, same old here in America, you know. Yeah, whatever. Just doesn't make sense to me. But continuing on here with Aaron Judge here, you know, focusing truly on his baseball side here, you know, Judge is crucial to the Yankees this year. So let me just read off an Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge's stat line here from Baseball Reference. 2017, his rookie season in the majors, hit 52 home runs, batted in 114, hit, hit 284 with a 422 on base, and an OPS plus of, one, of 171. Now, for some of, uh, now for fans who may not know baseball, you know, OPS plus is just an, a, a statistic that, re- that measures your offensive ability, you know, in respect to other players in the league. So an OPS plus of 100, for example, means that you're an average league average player offensively. So for judge to be, for judge to have an OPS plus of 171 in 2017, that means judge was a superstar with the bat. And this past season, the 2021 season, Judge hit 39 home runs, 98 RBIs, 287 batting average, 373 on base, and an OPS plus of 149. I mean, if this, I mean, if the New York mandate stayed in effect, I mean, that would kill the Yankees. That would kill the Yankees. Especially because Toronto still has, or well, Canada still has the the cross-border policy where unvaccinated players cannot play. And I read a report today. I want to say it was from ESPN's Jeff Passan, which this is totally a pro-Jeff Passan podcast, by the way. Love Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan noted that, you know, prior to the vaccine change in New York, or well, actually, excuse me, it was Toronto, uh, with the vaccine rules in Toronto that 
this may give t- this may give the Blue Jays a potentially competitive advantage, which is true. But at the same time, the Blue Jays also have to play under the same rules as you know the opposing team. So there's like no true competitive advantage in a sense. Anyway, shifting gears here to the world of entertainment. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, Kanye West. Let's talk about Kanye for a minute here. So Kanye's had a tough past few weeks. From the whole Kim Kardashian divorce being finalized to, you know, the whole Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian fling to uh, the Julia Fox uh, well, for Kanye, his fling with Julia Fox, and then the Trevor Noah slur that got him suspended from Instagram. And let me just tell you guys right now, Kanye, if Kanye somehow listens to this, here's what I'm going to tell him. First of all, general rule of thumb, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Any good publicity is, or well, any any publicity is good publicity. But, like, the dude has kids with Kim. Like, does he, does he not realize that maybe he shouldn't, you know, have this whole feud with the guy who's seeing the mother of his children? I mean, doesn't that kind of seem like, you know, you're kind of fucking with your kids there? I mean, like, imagine, imagine being his kids and, you know, have, and I get, you know, they're younger, but imagine like going on Twitter and seeing like, oh, dad buried Pete Davidson alive in a music video for easy. I mean, that's, that's just nuts. It's nuts. I mean, it's just also completely unacceptable too. And the whole, the whole Trevor Noah thing too, like, you know, I almost kind of wish, and you know, this will ne- probably never come from Kanye himself, but someone's just got to be like, you know, give me the phone and just take like two months off of social media and just like chill, chill. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, Kanye's been, you know, there's, there's unhinged and then there's, Kanye unhinged the past couple weeks and you know the thing that makes it even sadder too is that the man's going through this in public and I get you know sometimes he can't help himself and he has to literally have the last word but dude just stop (laughs) just stop (laughs) plain and simple just stop it's just just mind-boggling to me it just makes absolutely no sense like, dude, chill. All right. Now for a little bit more of a lighthearted story. Past couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, saw a story about Hank the Tank, a 500-pound bear that's been breaking, in, breaking it and entering into houses in Lake Tahoe, California. And let me tell you, I love this Hank the Tank story. Because first of all, it's a big-ass bear. But also, I can just tell you guys right now, and 
fortunately, knock on wood here for a minute, you know, I have never had to come across a bear. But I can just tell you guys right now, if I'm ever in a house and a 500-pound bear just walks into my house, I don't care what the hell is going on. I am walking out the front door, getting into my car, and driving the fuck away. I am absolutely not going to sit around and just let a bear just, you know, chill up on the couch with me. I mean, you know, it would be cool to see, you know, the namesake of my favorite football team, you know, the Chicago Bears. But, you know, I don't want to see that in real life. Hell no. (laughs) I'm just, I'm booking it out the door if I ever see one. Just crawl in here. Also, I have to also say too, I'm surprised Hank the Tank has not been offered $100 million yet by the Jacksonville Jaguars to play offensive line. You know, with the way Jacksonville has just thrown money into virtually everything under the sun this offseason, you would think they would have thrown a shit ton of money after Hank the Tank, but I guess they haven't. I don't know. You know, something that Jacksonville should circle back on. I mean, imagine being a defensive lineman and your, you know, <laughs> your matchup to get after the quarterback to get a sack is a fucking 500-pound bear named Hank the Tank. You're not going to have any sacks. <laughs> I mean, Hank the Tank's just going to, you know, just throw you on your ass. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, it's stories like that where, you know, in this day and age, as a society, we keep having these so-called what-the-fuck moments. And this serves as the perfect transition to President Zelensky and the ongoing Russia and Russia and Ukraine war. Now, yesterday, while President Biden was flying over to Europe, uh, Brussels specifically, uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken formally accused Russia of war crimes. And reading this yesterday, and there's ongoing speculation that Russia and Vladimir Putin may end up breaking out chemical weapons because they've been accusing Russia, or well, excuse me, they've been accusing Ukraine and the United States of using chemical weapons against Russian troops. There is no proof that Ukraine and the United States has, you know, even remotely used chemical weapons against Russian troops over there. And, you know, with the tendency of the Russian, or well, with the tendency of Russia to, you know, just project, aka accusing others of what you plan on doing yourself, you know, that's a fucked up image, man. <laughs> that's a fucked up image. Um, but on another note, like the the bravery of President Zelensky and the people of Ukraine is just to be admired. Like there's a hundred thousand people trapped in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol right now, and they've been just absolutely bombarded by Russia the past week with air raids and missile strikes. You know, just anything. You know, just firing on civilians. Like Russia's just giving them the whole nine yards because Russia is going to try the bomb in this in the submission. And 100,000 people in Mariupol just have the dedication and the bravery just to keep going, just to keep going. 
you know, that's, that's just to be admired. Like, you know, in so much, in a period of darkness, you know, such as military conflicts or wars or, you know, infighting, infighting, um, you know, against, well, you know, infighting amongst Americans over, you know, things that quite frankly don't matter in the grand scheme of things of life. You know, it's the triumph of the human spirit that, you know, that, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's the triumph of the human spirit that pushes us all forward. And the bravery of Ukrainians at this time should, you know, in my opinion, we should all look to, you know, their resilience and their bravery and their dedication not to give up and use that as inspiration for our lives, in my opinion. Because, I mean, that's like, in, in my, like, President Zelensky should probably end up winning the Nobel Peace Prize because that man, you know, the second Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, Zelensky could have just fled for the heavens, man. You know, could have just gone back to the Central Europe. And instead, I mean, you know, he's on the front lines with the troops. He's rallying, you know, for the military. He's rallying for the country. You know, he's, you know, he's going to all these Western countries, you know, just, you know, begging for resources, money, and anything to defeat Russia. And, you know, that's just, you just got to admire that, you know. Now, contrast that with American politics. And American politics at this state right now is just an absolute shit show. It's been an absolute shit show for, you know, at least, you know, at least the past 30 years. Just at a minimum, the past 30 years. I mean, it's been a shit show longer than that. But, I mean, now, in my opinion, you have some of the, and no disrespect to anybody in Congress right now, you have some of the dumbest Congress people in history just in Congress right now. Not naming any names. Not naming any names, but just some of the absolute dumbest, bad faith, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, it's, it's sad to see. And so I was browsing Twitter yesterday. And so in the uh, confirmation hearings for uh, Biden's Supreme Court judicial nominee, Judge Jackson, who looks like she's on the way to, um, you know, being confirmed to the nation's highest court, by the way. And saw a quote by Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina, who's on the Senate Judiciary Committee. And I'm sure Senator Tillis is a very nice guy. But let me read this quote to you. Quote, I'm not an attorney. I watch Law and Order from time to time. Now, with the context of this being in the confirmation hearings for a Supreme Court nominee, especially sitting on the Senate Judiciary Committee, one of the most powerful committees in the government, you know, I get you're not an attorney and you don't have to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there are some non-attorneys I know that are very intelligent people and are, you know, essentially fantastic lawyers without being officially lawyers. But, and don't get, and also, again, don't get me wrong here. Whenever I hear the dum-dum 
for law and order. I mean, that shit just gets me going. You know, that's like the, that's the equivalent of like the, we will rock you, you know, like the do, do, essentially, you know, essentially the TV version of that. You know, that just gets me going. Now, to essentially have one of the most powerful people in the government just go, yeah, I just watch Law and Order. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's kind of a red flag, if you ask me. Um, that's not what you want to hear from one of the most powerful people in the country. Now, continuing to switch gears again here, wrapping up here, our final points. Just wanted to mention the whole LeBron, Kevin Love, uh, dunk dunked the other day in the Lakers uh, in the Lakers Cavs game in Cleveland. So Kevin Love won a title with LeBron in 2016. And the other day, LeBron dunked all over Kevin Love. And let me tell you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, it's an epic dunk. It's a very nice dunk by LeBron. Like it's <laughs> and it's especially funny because it's Kevin Love. But and luckily Love and LeBron were able to laugh it off, but <laughs> that's a cold that's a cold thing by LeBron, man. <laughs> dunking up dunking on a teammate that you want a title with. <laughs> Only LeBron could do that. <laughs> and also can't wrap up the podcast any better way than making fun of Patrick Mahomes because poor Patrick Mahomes. Oh, somebody please think of Mahomes. Tyreek Hill was traded yesterday to Miami for a first-round pick, number 29, a second-round pick, number 50, a fourth-round a fourth, fourth pick, as well as also fourth- and sixth-round picks in 2023. <laughs> Mahomes like punching air, was probably punching air after reading about that trade. I feel so bad for that man, but at the same time, you know, that Miami offense with Jalen Waddle. And Tyreek Hill, possibly with Mike Gusecki at tight end. I mean, that's just that's just lethal offensively. And then you got Teron Armstead, who is the top ranked free agent on the offensive line, and the guy who's only played in played a full season like once in his career. So he'll probably miss time with an injury or something. But to start to rebuild an offensive line around Tua. That's just a great get for, you know, Miami, and especially a great get for Tua because now, you know, you're for, <laughs> I mean, you're now you can take advantage of Waddle and Tyreek Hill's speed. I mean, that's just going to be lethal. It's going to be really interesting to see how that goes next year for Miami. And with that, that will wrap up our first episode of You Can't Be Serious. Now. I want to leave you guys today with just a little closing thought that I have. And that is, you know, first off, I want to thank you guys for actually getting through this today. Um, you know, I fully intend on, you know, and I swear I'll actually get these shorter in terms of the length. This is actually like my third attempt at making this <laughs> debut episode. Um, so that being said, if you guys ever have anything to talk about by any means, get, um, you know, get in touch with me. I'm always looking to talk about anything on this. 
And, you know, I truly intend on this to be like a discussion piece where we can just talk back and forth about anything. You know, whether it's, you know, your way for Champions League or anything really. If there's something we can talk about, let's talk about it. And with that, thank you guys for, uh, for listening. And as always, don't forget to, uh, you know, like and subscribe. Well, technically subscribe. Uh, <laughs> just thank you guys so very much. And yeah. have a great day, guys.